Welcome to Seed Pod. I'm your co-host, Urshia. And I'm Alicia. Hey, Alicia. Today we're going to talk about insomnia with our guest, the principal of Samuel Robertson Tech. In that segment, we'll delve into how it affects teens and adults alike. And after that, we'll take a look at the pandemic's influence on teenage mental states, specifically the benefits and disadvantages to the newly implemented isolation. We'd like to acknowledge that we are broadcasting to you today from the unceded traditional territories of the Kwantlen and Katsi First Nation. We'd also like to emphasize how much we appreciate your contribution as a subscriber. SeedPod releases new episodes the third week of each month, so be sure to look for them on your favorite podcast provider. Now, let's move on to our first segment. In a few minutes, we'll tackle the topic of insomnia, most importantly, how it affects teens versus adults. The common definition of insomnia is the habit of constant sleeplessness, meaning it doesn't matter how much sleep you get. If you have difficulty falling asleep on a regular basis, it is considered insomnia. It's also if you find it hard to fall asleep, hard to stay asleep, or causes you to wake up too early and not be able to go back to sleep. We asked some local teens what their definition of insomnia is. What's insomnia? It's when you have trouble falling asleep or you just pretty much don't sleep at all. For you, what does insomnia mean? I am very malinformed, but from what I've seen, it's like an issue with sleep. What does insomnia mean to you? A condition in which, like, someone, like, dumbing it down, someone struggles to sleep. What does insomnia mean to you? I think insomnia is... Like, you're, you can't physically fall asleep, and it could be because of, like, mental stress or just, like, a physiological thing, but it's just not being able to sleep. So we've talked to teens about how they see insomnia. Now let's explore insomnia from an adult's perspective. And that's why we brought in our guest. As the principal of a local high school and a fellow insomniac, we thought he'd be a perfect interviewee for our segment. Cue the interview! Yeah, hi, my name is Ken Alphick. I'm a longtime Maple Ridge resident and a teacher, a vice principal, and now principal of Samuel Robertson Technical School. Thank you so much for being here today. So we're going to be talking about a little bit about insomnia, what it means for you, and what it means for Maple Ridge. Um, so just going to jump right in. On a regular night, how much sleep do you get? Well, the trouble with me, I really don't have a regular night. And I think that's part of insomnia for me. Uh, I anticipate most nights that I'm going to get to bed and have a really good night's sleep. Uh, uh, but that often doesn't happen. So some nights I get two hours, three hours. Some nights I get six or seven. If I'm in a really bad stage, like uh, for a week or two, I might have a, a period where I go two, three hours a night for a string. And that, that, that can become a real problem. But I'm getting better. I think something about my age, I sleep a little better now um, than I did when I was maybe in my 20s and 30s. And so maybe I'm just getting better at it. And do you find that caffeine or like other stimulants affect how you sleep? And if so, which ones? Yeah, I'm, I'm super sensitive to caffeine. So, it, I mean, I love coffee. Let's put it, be honest. Uh, when I get to work each morning, they put on a strong Starbucks blend. Yeah. And uh, at seven in the morning, I walk over and I usually have one or two cups of coffee, but I will not eat coffee. I drink coffee after that time. I, I can't. And even things like if it's not uh, a caffeine free uh, pop or anything, I really can't drink that past the first thing in the morning. What symptoms of insomnia do you experience generally? Well, I mean, I think the number one symptom is I just, I, I don't, I, I can get to sleep. Getting to sleep isn't a problem, it's staying asleep. And I'm a really light sleeper. So 
The symptoms during the day are that I, I can be yawning quite a bit. I'm a bit lethargic. I go through periods where sometimes I feel like I got to go outside, get a little exercise, stretch, um, maybe walk around the office, go visit some classrooms and talk to some teachers and some students. Because if I, you know, it can be a very office um, driven job where I can st sit at a computer all day and answer parents' emails. So if if I'm tired, which happens during the day, I've got to do something. Sometimes I'll be honest, I'll close the office and do a few push-ups to get some blood flowing. And uh, But often it's uh, it's just getting up and moving around. Uh, now, you mentioned earlier that you, uh, you're sleeping better than you did when you were 20 or 30. Did you have insomnia as a kid and has it evolved or changed in any sense since then? Yeah, as a kid, apparently I was an amazing sleeper as a little kid. Um, and even in my teenage years, I don't know if it was because I was so busy running and playing sports and hanging out with my friends and being outside, but I slept really well. But I think, you know, I, I got married in my 20s and started. my wife had her first kid in mid-20s and I, my light sleeper, sleeper, my family history of insomnia started kicking in. And I, from that point on, about age 25 on, it, it became a real problem. And probably for a good 20 years there, sometimes I wouldn't get sleep at night at all. And that would make it really tough. How does little sleep interfere with your work or school? Yeah, you probably have to ask my colleagues or the kids in the school. They might think it affects me all the time. Um, I try not to bring it to work and I try to stay on top of things, but you know, sometimes when I'm speaking, um, doing public speaking in front of a, uh, if I'm not well rested, I'll slur my words. I, I, I'm not as clear. My thinking's not as clear. I sometimes have to find other ways to say things to get things across to students. But for the most part, I, I think I cope at work all right. It's usually when I get home that uh, I struggle. When you're at work and you uh, experience a little bit slurring and everything, do you do you feel uh, a little sleepy sometimes at different periods? Yeah, you know what? I sleepy's a. Uh, I I don't know if I feel sleepy often, like that. I I could put my head down and nap while I'm at work. I'm so busy. I'm so focused on, on, you know, running a school and keeping things going, that I I don't feel like sleeping. But I do feel like you know I'm 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 tired and I'm flagging and I'm. And I'll need more energy. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't feel sleepy, but I definitely feel the effects of lack of sleep. Do you use any sleep aids like weighted blankets or melatonin? Um, well, I've tried pretty well everything. <laughs> uh, melatonin doesn't seem to work for me too well. I've tried the slow release. I've tried the regular stuff. Um, you name it. doesn't seem to work. I, I'm a bit cautious to take anything prescription-wise. I always have been, whether it's a headache or whether it's lack of sleep. I have been pres prescribed things in the past, but I'm, I'm, I'm really, I might take something if I am so desperate after a few weeks that I know I need a really good, good night's sleep. And occasionally I do have some night all at the side of my bed and occasionally I'll pop a night all if I, if I feel it doesn't, I, I wouldn't say it always works well. Um, but sometimes it takes the edge off, and, and if, I, if I'm desperate for sleep, I'll, I'll take something. I think you mentioned this earlier again, but um, do any of your relatives have similar symptoms? Yeah, my mom and I, um, my mom's, well, she wouldn't be happy to tell me, me to say this, but she's in her 80s now, and 
I can phone her at one in the morning. We have conversations sometimes in the middle of the night. She's a real crossword puzzle person. So sometimes we'll work on a crossword puzzle and she's actually way better at it than I am. So she's like, she can do the New York Times kind of crosswords and I'm kind of the very basic version. So whenever I need a clue and I'm sitting up at two in the morning, I'll, I'll text her and uh, she, she'll say, yes, I'm awake, Ken. And then I'll say, okay, what'd you get for seven across? And she'll say, all this. And I'll say, darn, how did I get that? Why didn't I get that? And uh, or we'll have a conversation. Um, yeah, and my kids, you know, as well, um, one of my ch children is, is a bit of an insomniac and I'm, I'm a little worried because she seems to be sleeping during the day rather than during the evening, which doesn't make the most functional living uh, practices. I'd like to see her get on a regular pattern, but I really relate to her because she's now in her 20s and it's, it's starting to affect her. What affects you the most? Like what goes first, your motor skills or your hearing, your focus? Do you find that you can't focus if you don't get enough sleep? My wife would say my hearing. Um, she, she doesn't think I hear her half the time, but uh, I would probably say I notice it the most motor-wise. That's kind of a trigger for me. Uh, if I notice that maybe I miss a stair on the staircase or stumble like that, because I'm pretty coordinated, I think, but it's something like that. Um, or I, I, I break a glass, I'll go to grab a glass and pick it up and it'll slip out of my hand. Those kind of things. And lastly, do you have any advice for someone who is listening who thinks they might be suffering from insomnia? And is there anything you wish you had done earlier on? Yeah, you know what? I would say that don't just suffer. I think like I've, I've read some good books about sleep hygiene and they've got some good advice for you. So kind of I, I do a bit of prep before I go to bed at night. I make sure things are dark. I've got little habits like rather than stimulate myself with TV, I love to read. So sometimes I get up and turn on the light and read. Those are my kind of midnight habits. But instead, what I've done now is I've got like audiobooks, and I seem to be able to fall up to sleep with those. So sometimes what I have to do is I have to get out of my bed and go into the bedroom next door so I don't wake my wife up. And then I'll play a little audiobook and put it on a 30 minute timer. And I'll do that. But I try to kind of make sure I don't eat right before I go to bed because sometimes I find that I'm digesting food and I don't sleep well. I try to drink lots of water, make sure I'm hydrated. And in general, I just make sure that I've got a comfortable bed. It's nice and cool. I try not to stay super warm. There's lots of little things. And I think everybody works out their habits. I'm sure you do when you're sleeping. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I had a really good time. Um, I think Arshia did as well. And thank you so much for helping us. Yeah, have a good night's sleep. Well, for any listeners out there, you can always visit the Maple Ridge Sleep Clinic, which is open six days a week. Or visit their website at www.medsleep.com. Again, that's www.medsleep.com. Now moving on to our next segment, the impact of coronavirus on youth mental health. Did you know that 6% of teens between the ages 12 and 17 deal with depression, while 10% of teens struggle with anxiety? Recent events have caused everyone abnormal stress, but it's commonly agreed on that it hit teens the worst. There's been a noticeable rise in anxiety amongst teens since the pandemic. The isolation and lack of socialization caused by the pandemic has only made these numbers increase. Last year, less than 40% of people reporting feeling excellent about their mental health, and that number continues to plummet. 
We asked some teenagers about their experience with the pandemic. Do you think the current lack of social involvement is healthy? No. I think human interaction is important. What do you think the key to mental health is? Uh, a good balance overall. Like, you can't have too much of anything, but you can't have too less of anything. What did your school workload look pre-COVID compared to now? Uh, Pre-COVID, it was less work to do. Meanwhile, uh, with COVID, we have to cram more things into it. So there, w- there is more homework now. High schools pre-COVID used to follow a linear system, but I understand your high school is now following a quarter system. Is that correct? Yes. And uh, how does that feel compared to your linear system you had before COVID? Well, I feel like the quarter system now, it's a lot longer. Like, the classes are longer, but less work. So it feels like more slow pace than before. What have you done to stay mentally and socially engaged during the pandemic? Um, I've just tried to keep in contact with my friends as much as possible. Um, and tried to keep myself occupied with a bunch of hobbies. What's the funniest thing that's happened in a Zoom meeting? Uh, for choir, we sometimes have meme days, and we all change our backgrounds to different memes, and it's quite hilarious sometimes. Are there any you found specifically funny? Uh, some of them involve little, like, niche jokes about different TV series, and, oh god, if you got them, they were hilarious. How have the people around you evolved uh, over the course of the pandemic? I've seen that a bunch of uh, people I know, their mental health has, has gone down, mine included. Um, and people have started being a lot more uh, paranoid with things, with, I mean, and rightfully so, it's a pandemic. But uh, along with that, there's also the other side of the spectrum where you can see how people just, their apathy kind of takes over more or less, and they just become so uncharacteristically inconsiderate is the word I'm looking for. What have you done to stay mentally and socially engaged during the pandemic? Basically, I've just kind of scrambled to find more time to spend with friends, and it's ironic because this is the time when I would have the least time to spend with them. Has the change in school dynamic affected your view on homework, and if so, how? Um, yeah, I think it actually has, because uh, for me, before, like, all the whole online thing, homework used to be more of, like, a, like, I had to do it because the schools kind of made me do it. Then since the transition in online, I realized I actually have to do this homework for like more for me because my teachers are no longer watching to make sure I'm doing it. I just have to do it for myself so I actually know how to like keep up in this class now. Has the pandemic had any effects on your sleep habits? And if so, how? Um, I spent a lot of time like online with people. So I stay up really late so we can like talk um, when normally that wouldn't have happened because we would have just like been guaranteed to see each other the next day. Lastly, we decided to talk to someone who has seen firsthand the impact COVID-19 has had on our community. We have with us today Miss Aiken. She's our lovely librarian at MRSS. She runs so many clubs and so we're here to interview her and ask a little bit about what she does at the school, what she teaches, and what's fun about what you teach. So what's fun about what you teach? Well, as a teacher librarian, I get to choose what I teach. So um, all the lessons that I do do in the library, whether I'm team teaching or sometimes taking on a class myself or um, simply putting out information for students to teach and within each of the clubs that are run in the library, um, it's it's multidimensional. And it's really about trying to find what teenagers in 2020, 2021 need 
to be moving forward so that their lives are fulfilling, happy, and feel like they're discovering their, their superpower within themselves. And what grades do you teach? Every grade. So um, since I've become a teacher librarian, um, I was an English teacher, majority English teacher, leadership teacher for 28 years. And so the last three years, um, I've been teacher librarian. And I would say that when I teach, there are certain things about each grade that I prefer, but a lot of my lessons revolve around either Aboriginal leadership, Aboriginal education, and English-based content. Can you tell us what the Aboriginal leadership is all about? Oh, it's, it is something that um, our Aboriginal support worker, Sherry Britton, started on her own. And uh, she is my great mentor. She's younger than me by far, um, but she is she holds the experience and the knowledge and the teachings um, that I wasn't fortunate enough to always have within my early life. So uh, Ms. Britton and I started the, I continued the Aboriginal leadership with her. We moved it into the library and oh my goodness, it has become the most supportive place this last two years um, where students who are of uh, First Nations, Métis or Inuit descent and any allies for the, that particular set of, of young people are coming together to figure out how to support themselves and move forward and stay traditional. Right now, within the school section, everybody is talking about um, this social-emotional learning, and um, they have neglected and forgotten that social-emotional learning is embedded in First Nations Métis teachings. And so they think it's new, and it's... Uh, the oldest thing on the face of this part of the world. Have you noticed throughout the pandemic that mental states have gone down? Do you think that mental health is a problem in schools? I do think the social aspect, which is already for the youth of today, way more difficult to navigate than for the youth of my day. Um, we, when we were bullied, we were bullied face to face, and it pretty it stopped pretty quickly. Um, the unfortunate thing about the world of teenagers today is you have much more difficult uh, a negative environment to navigate, and it happens all the time. So I do think that the mental health today is more visibly negative because more social things are happening. You have to be online. And as soon as you go online, that that network, which isn't, it has no control parameters, really comes into your life in, in a potentially much more negative way. Uh, how do you think your 16-year-old self would react to this pandemic? My 16-year-old self was in an isolated community. Um, you guys graduate here um, with a class of, a, of an average about 300. My entire graduating class was 60. So I was, I was in a fairly small community. Um, I think we would have shut our borders within the little town and uh, we were fine. We, we never really went anywhere except, I guess, during vacations. We were also busy um, farming or looking after our, our livestock or, um, oh my goodness, all the clubs, outdoor, indoor, things to do were pretty much in nature. So you've almost experienced being isolated. How did you react oh, to that? Not in the same way. It's, it's not comparable. Um, I grew up that way. I, I liked being alone a lot. Um, I mean... 
okay, you don't even know what this means, but we had uh, telephone lines, which means, you know, like multiple <laughs> yes. families were connected on one phone. And so, you know, if you wanted to hear some gossip, you'd get on the line when it wasn't your call. Um, that It's not the same. Your, your isolation is withdrawal. And part of the problem is the masks. The masks stop you. They prevent you from understanding the full emotions of your peers, even when you're sitting next to them. And, and a smile, they know this, a smile is one of the healthiest things you can do. There's some psychologists that say, if you take a pencil when you're feeling badly and you stick it in your mouth and you make your mouth and you grab it between your teeth and your mouth semi-smiles, they say the serotonin level that rushes to your brain and creates happiness happens every time that happens. That is so, so amazing. Right? So when when we're not smiling because we're looking at each other and all we see are these eyes and sometimes moving eyebrows and that's about it, the smiles are lost. That happy factor, that movement of, of chemical balance within your body is lost. And so I need to start bringing pencils everywhere. Yeah, but you can't do it right now. You were wearing a mask, right? You're not putting a pencil, you know, in your teeth right now. But But yes. When these masks come off, if you're feeling bad, stick a pencil in your mouth. And I don't mean um, as if you're going to eat it. I mean like edge to edge. Hot dog style. Hot dog style between your teeth and, and hold it for a minute and you, your body will naturally react. What do you do now to improve your uh, or help your mental state with the pandemic? Within the school structure, I'm probably bigger because I know when I exude um, contentment, I feel more content. That's like a natural psychological thing as well. So within within the school structure, um, I'm probably more involved in trying to get students involved in in. It's made things. you more aware that it's a problem. Uh, no, it hasn't made me more aware. I would say, I, I w- what I would say, Alicia, is that um, teenage mental health is critical to the health of our entire community. And I've always believed this. I've always really pushed to try and find a a power within a student. And I would say that at this point, to improve the mental state in the building, my mental state is just to keep engaging with students. Well, they're probably like euthanizing with a why. Um, I I feel empowered by seeing young people feel empowered. Um, So kind of selfish, but, you know, it's a lot of work to be that selfish. Um, Outside in my own world, it's all about outside. It, yeah. Everything is about outside. It is about being out and, and hiking and canoeing and going for a bike ride and, and being social distanced along the dike for a walk and, um, you know, finding places to go. Because I am doing what's being asked to try and protect our community from this pandemic becoming another type of pandemic and almost starting again in a worse way. So it's, it's outside. I'm home. I'm doing what has to be done, but I'm outside as much as possible. Well, thank you so, so much for coming and doing this interview. It was a lot of fun, I know. We had some fun with it. Was it was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> thank you so much. So in this episode, we've learned a bit about insomnia and how it affects a person throughout their lives. Mr. Elphick gave us a look at how lack of sleep presents itself in his day-to-day life. Then we talked with the youth in the community about how they perceived insomnia. By talking with Miss Aiken, we learned that she uses psychology and the outdoors to boost her mental state throughout the COVID-19 crisis. We also discovered how the pandemic is affecting the overall mental health of students and uncovered some coping strategies to deal with the stress of everyday life. 
Thanks for tuning in to episode two of SeedPod. Look out for episode three, where we'll be hosting Jessica Brameau to explain a little bit about homelessness in Maple Ridge. We'll also be continuing the segment on the Hundred Year Salmon War with Jack Emberly. This episode was planned, written, and presented by Alicia Yakajuk and Arshia Nair. Music was written and performed by Paula Justice. Editing was performed by Alicia Yakajuk and Christian Gowley. See you next time.